ETL Echo and Friends present The Winter Wonderfix Collaboration, a series of festive one-shots and podfics. Not Safe for Work by Egg Bagels Jr. Draco trudged through the Being Resources office in the basement of St. Mungo's, clutching a folder of printed PowerPoint slides to his chest. He was headed to a board meeting to present his autumn update on the Relationship Instruction Program, a professional development course he'd proposed to help hospital staff navigate the challenges of mixing the personal and professional. If Draco recruited a test participant this fall, he would be eligible for grant funding to expand into the pilot phase after Christmas. Unfortunately, he was short on participants, as in absolutely no one had enrolled. He'd gotten the idea for the program over the summer when the new crop of healer trainees arrived, and Draco increasingly found himself on the business end of Form C0UPL, the inter-office sex document. Draco fancied himself fairly educated on modern sexual pursuits. He knew about the three-legged hippogriff, the disgraced mugwump, and even the reverse animagus, despite having never performed them himself. But Merlin, the things he'd seen since June, in supply closets, straddled across missing steps in the magical stairwells, and once, behind a poorly cast notice-me-not, no one in Janice Thickey failed to notice. And, to his great chagrin, Draco had to read about their activities all over again when he processed the paperwork. Lost in his thoughts, Draco missed a step up a set of magically shifting stairs connecting the basement to the main building. He was instantly overcome with sensation. He'd stumbled into something warm, soft, and sweet-smelling, like icing drizzling over fresh cinnamon rolls. It was quite unlike the experience of falling into the arms of his basement-dwelling colleagues. He never wanted to let go. Fortunately, as the temptation to burrow flitted across his mind, Draco's sense of responsibility kicked in. He retreated, sending an embarrassed grimace toward his shoes, afraid to make eye contact with the being he'd accosted in a stairwell. No sooner had Draco managed to steady himself against the wall, and importantly, not against the being he'd bumped into, the stairs slipped out from beneath him yet again. Draco yelped and pitched over, landing face first between the being's very soft protruding bits. Oh, no. Draco mumbled into a pair of very fine breasts. If he didn't move soon, he would have to submit his own Form C0UPL. Names of all parties. Draco Lucius Malfoy, Being Resources, and Unnamed Being with Fantastic Breasts. Department Unknown. Description of Relationship. Motorboat Accident in Basement Stairwell. Send Coast Guard. Strong arms wrapped around his shoulders supporting his weight and pressing him further into the breasts. Draco was light-headed. If he breathed, he would smell the cinnamon roll smell again, and he might make the kind of sound that would require more than an apology to rectify. On the other hand, if he didn't breathe, he might die in the breasts. Draco smiled. Malfoy, are you all right? The arms shook him. While not breathing prevented embarrassing noises, it had the hallucinatory side effect of making him believe he was tucked into the arms and breasts of Hermione Granger, which was impossible. Granger had gone abroad after the war, 
No one had heard from her since. You need to breathe, said the Granger hallucination. Can you hear me? His body made the choice for him, and a gust of air soaked in the butter and sugar of her skin caressed his nostrils. Yes, he did moan. No, he wasn't proud of it. Embarrassment roused his mind from his breast-induced mental break. Draco went rigid, straightened, then windmilled his arms to retain balance as his body remembered what his brain forgot. The stairs were still moving. Granger, because she was indeed Granger, caught him again, now with a wandless spell. Sagging into the firm net of her magic, Draco raised incredulous eyebrows. Wandless levitation of a large, densely muscled, roguishly handsome object? Impressive. When the staircase completed its final rotation and settled into stillness, Granger released him. Granger. He cleared his throat. Sincere apologies for, uh, what transpired. I'm grateful for your, uh, soft landing. Wandless magic, dear me. Her eyes popped wide. It was nothing. Not like you're too heavy or anything. Actually a bit scrawny. Would we say scrawny? Could use some meat on your bones. Nutrition is important. I eat. Draco rubbed a hand over his neck. At my desk. That's a bit sad. The voice of charm that had lain dormant at the back of Draco's head for too long rose to the surface. It wanted to chat with her, keep her with him, ask about life abroad and what brought about her return. Must go, he said. Meeting. She gestured to the floor around him. Forgetting something? Draco followed the motion of her hands. The entire contents of his presentation folder had upended during the breast mishap, which he should not refer to as the breast mishap if he wanted to keep his job. He knelt to retrieve his papers, and his skull collided with something hard. They groaned, rubbing twin bruises on their foreheads. Draco recovered first. You don't have to help. I accosted you. The correct response is thank you. She held up a page for his inspection. Is this PowerPoint? I adore PowerPoint. How did you learn about it? Embarrassed heat crawled up Draco's neck to his ears. Of course Granger would already know the computer, even without a prison sentence, which was where Draco had learned. Or perhaps that was where she'd been all this time. They taught us the computer in Azkaban, he said. I think it was supposed to be some form of torture, but it was more fun to make silly presentations about how badly I'd fucked up, rather than stew about it all day. Granger's face warred among several different expressions. I used it a lot in med school. Not sure I could have survived without it. Med school? Their hands brushed over the same piece of paper, and he looked up, their eyes suddenly very close. He snatched his hand away. Like Muggle Healer Academy. I attended a joint Muggle magical program run through Ilvermorny in the States. You're a healer? At St. Mungo's? You're not wearing green robes? She laughed, the sound abrupt like it surprised her. Healer trainee? In my first year. The wardrobe's only necessary when I see patients. Draco handled most of the new hire paperwork for the regular healer trainees, but his colleagues Remy and Fletcher processed the trainees with special grants and fellowships. 
No surprise Granger was one of those. Draco couldn't believe she'd been walking around his hospital for three months without his knowing. He stacked his pages together and held out a hand for the one she'd dog-eared. Nice catching up. Sorry again about the... thing. Wait! She locked his wrist in her warm, firm grip. I was actually headed to see you. Heat bloomed in his chest, the feeling of desire so rare of late, it was almost like experiencing it for the first time. No, not desire. Not for Granger. He hated Granger, didn't he? The tingling in his chest was probably indigestion. From his desk lunch that he'd eaten approximately ten minutes after arriving at work. She was right. That was sad. You came to see me? He hated the way his voice sounded, like he was a wet street crup begging for ear scratches. She rummaged through a pocket, arm nearly disappearing to the elbow. After a moment, she yanked it back out, a neatly folded parchment clutched in her hand. I was told you were the person to submit this to. He accepted the parchment with narrowed eyes. For a moment, the burning in his chest tightened into a single point, anticipation mingling with interest. Then he unfolded it, his heart plummeting like a heavy stone into water. Your filing form C0UPL? Her eyes were bright. She nodded. He rolled his jaw. You know you don't have to submit one of these unless... Any co-workers who consent to engage in intimate activities on two or more separate occasions, she said, her voice falling into her trademark lilt he'd heard so often back at Hogwarts, are mandated to file a notification of relationship initiation to being resources no later than one week following the second instance of relational congress. Draco's shoulders slumped. Merlin. She'd memorized the policy and recited it back to him. Had she not been referring to her activities with someone else, hearing the words from her lips might have had an inappropriate effect on the state of Draco's trousers. Inappropriate trouser thoughts? About Granger? Definitely not. Okay. Draco had a momentary lapse in which he glanced at what she'd written in the form's box marked Description of Relationship. He blanched. He hadn't even known that maneuver was physically possible. He took a deep breath, refolded the parchment, and stood. This was fine. He may have had to cover a bulgier-than-usual prominence emerging from his lap area with a creative angling of his presentation folder, but that was to be expected with all the excitement. From the stairs. The stair excitement. Surely panic boners were a thing. Okay, she repeated. Do I need to do anything else? Obtain additional signatures? Seek out a notary public? Notary public? Draco didn't know what that was, but it sounded filthy coming from her mouth. Uh, no. Just the form will do. Bye. Draco leapt up several stairs, granting her a wide berth. He wondered if aerobic exercise could resolve an untended half-erection. If only he knew a swatty little healer who could answer for him. He sped up. As he reached the top of the staircase, she called after him. What about the relationship instruction program? Aren't I allowed to attend 30-minute one-on-ones with a member of Being Resources once every two weeks? It's not bi-weekly, it's weekly, and the program is still in its test phase, he said before he could stop himself. He wanted to walk it back. 
tell her she would have to look elsewhere to satisfy her desperate need to know everything. Except no one else in the entirety of St. Mungo's had signed up for the program, and Draco needed a test participant to stay in the running for the grant. He scrubbed a hand over his face. Mondays, 8 a.m. sharp. For three months or until... Until I or another member of the relationship has filed Form XC0UPL for immediate relationship termination. I know. See you Monday, Malfoy. Draco arrived Monday morning over an hour early to prepare for the inaugural session of what he was now referring to as the RIP, but instead he stared despondently at the mossy brick walls of his sodden basement office for approximately 48 minutes, and then panic-printed the research he'd compiled on maintaining healthy workplace relationships. Draco stuffed the lot into a three-ring binder, slipping Granger's copy of Form C0UPL in the front cover. Draco wolfed down his lunch, cold leftovers from his weekly You're the Family Disappointment dinner, while he tried and failed not to reread Granger's form. On the lines marked Names of All Parties, she'd written Hermione Jean Granger, Magiplasty and Hybrid Health Research, followed by Warren Radstone III, Pediatrics. Draco knew a bit about healer trainee Radstone. Warren. His hiring paperwork had sparked controversy after his healer degree was temporarily withheld from Flu Network Healer Academy over an administrative kerfuffle. Draco had intervened, working on Radstone's behalf to resolve the issue. Radstone was a nice enough bloke. Draco almost regretted having to hate him. Draco's office door flew open, filling the room with the scent of warm, flaky dough. He considered whether Granger possessed a natural defense mechanism to secrete delicious baking smells when surrounded by enemies, but then saw she carried a greasy parchment bag in one hand. Sorry I'm late, she said. The clock on the computer read 7.57 a.m. Granger slid into the seat across from him and pulled two sausage rolls out of the bag, pushing one toward him. The wasted potential boeuf bourguignon in his stomach flopped around in protest. He declined. Okay, Granger, your attendance in these sessions is voluntary. You are here as a test participant for the RIP. During the test phase, I can make no guarantees of the program's efficacy. You and I will be discovering that together over the next 12 weeks. The program will encourage you to fulfill your responsibility to yourself, your co-workers, your patients. I love that! Draco spluttered. What? The way you're framing workplace dating, from an equity perspective, rather than company CYA. It's refreshing. I'm impressed. Draco's jaw hung open. You're impressed? She leaned forward hands gripping the edge of the desk, staring with clear, focused eyes at the binder between them. Draco tapped his fingers against the title of an article on boundary setting. Her breath hitched. I mean, of course you are, Granger. Maintaining an equitable work environment for hundreds of employees, which I do, is impressive stuff. Several locks of her hair fell over her shoulders and onto his desk. He remembered how her curls used to expand when she gave presentations during their school days. He idly wondered if he'd ever get to see her give a lecture on magiplasty and hybrid health research. One of her hands drifted toward the binder. What's the structure of the program? Is it like a book club? 
Draco shifted in his seat. For all the work he'd done compiling resources, he hadn't made any lesson plans yet. I've prepared a binder. May I take a look? She grabbed it without waiting for his answer. I see you've pulled several worksheets from Dr. Martha Shrewsbury's new book. What did you think of her theory on fuzzy power differentials? You've read Dr. Shrewsbury? I picked up a few texts yesterday in preparation, but I'm no expert. Honestly, I'm surprised you've read Shrewsbury. She's a muggle. Granger flicked through several more pages in the binder, ignoring Draco's glare. You have a deep familiarity with the relevant literature, but I'm not seeing a clear pedagogical structure. Your goal is to encourage positive behavior, correct? We could start with article discussions, define a common vocabulary, and move forward with more practical activities, like boundary negotiations and role-play. Boundary negotiations? Role-play? Draco's lips formed useless halves of words, his tongue drying out in his mouth. It was the breast mishap all over again. She'd kidnapped his mental faculties and left him floundering. We could schedule our sessions in advance, you know. Draco startled as her arms wrapped around his shoulders. He hadn't even realized she'd moved to his side of the desk. Her voice was low in his ear, and the heat of her body eased the perpetual chill of his office. She pointed at the computer. See, if you click here and here, you can share your calendar with me. I have a computer too, so we can collaborate on session planning to ensure we're using our time most effectively. What do you think? If he angled his head a centimeter to the right, his cheek would brush against hers. Instead, he stared determinedly forward, watching her use all of the computer attachments like she'd been born doing so, and trying to subdue his raging heartbeat at the way she'd described effective time management. Granger straightened and gave his shoulder a squeeze. This was lovely, thank you. She tucked the binder into her bag and strode to the doorway. Let's aim to have a draft agenda for next week on the books by Wednesday. If we apply ourselves, you could submit the program to Being Resources Quarterly. I hear their holiday issue sets the tone for the entire year. You could be the Shrewsbury of the magical world. Cheers! Long after the echo of her shoes clicking against brick faded into nothing, Draco sighed into his hands. Cheers, Granger. The following week, Granger plunked the binder, which had doubled in size, and a pastry-filled parchment bag down on his desk as the clock struck 7.53 a.m. Sorry I'm late. Draco arched an eyebrow at the bag. What's that? Spinach pasty. She looked pointedly at the packet of leftovers sitting in front of him. You need to eat a real breakfast. Your depression lunch will be waiting for you in four hours. Draco poked at the bag his traitorous stomach rumbling. Thought you said eating at my desk was sad. Desk lunch is sad, but this is desk breakfast, which is decidedly less so. Who? he said. Who what? Who decided? She saluted. Hermione Jean Granger, Order of Merlin First Class. Eat your damn breakfast. Fine. I mean, thank you. She sent a pasty to him with a wave of her wand, and began picking at her own. You didn't approve the agenda I sent last week. It was fifty-five inches long, Granger. We meet for thirty minutes. Fifty-five inches? Draco scoffed. 
On the computer, Granger, he said, enunciating every letter in her name. Standard parchments are exactly eleven inches. Your agenda was five parchment links. How did they let you through medical school? With a lot of raised eyebrows. Now, if you had read the agenda... I never said I didn't. Draco had, in fact, read every inch. He'd made several notes requesting clarification and proposing alternatives, and then printed it out and dumped the whole thing in the bin. He had to suffer through twelve, now eleven, more sessions with her, and encouraging her micromanaging behavior would make it harder for him to pretend this thing he felt whenever she was nearby wasn't happening. These sessions were about helping her balance her personal and professional boundaries while dating a coworker, a coworker who wasn't him. Drago needed to keep his head down and wait until his three-month sentence with her was over, so he could apply for his grant, expand the RIP, and never think about her again. He'd managed to survive Azkaban. He could survive Hermione Granger. What are you doing in your other RIP sessions? She asked, pulling out two copies of the agenda and passing him one. What other sessions? The other relationship instruction program sessions. I know of at least five other active inter-office relationships, and I'm usually the last to learn about such things. Merlin knows how many there actually are. Haven't you been running these meetings since you got approval in June? I... You're not running other sessions. Unacceptable! I don't have the authority to make anyone do anything, Granger. If no one wants to participate, I can't penalize them. You're my sole volunteer. Granger threw up her hands in frustration. What you're attempting with this program is new and revolutionary. It has the potential to help beings navigate the intricacies of increasingly blurred professional and personal environments. Everyone should be required to attend. That you're not actively recruiting is a travesty. Why don't you say that to your boyfriend? I haven't seen him here, and I've sent missives, Granger. Missives. Well, Drago had sent one missive. Rather, he'd posted a flyer about the RIP in the lavatories by the pediatrics wing. Granger's jaw clicked. I don't want to talk about Warren. Draco leaned back heavily in his chair. Had he gone too far? Did something happen? We should discuss the research I compiled. Draco searched her face, cataloging the flush across her cheeks, the flared nostrils, the purse of her lips. Okay. Okay, she said. She sucked in a gulp of air and let it out with a whoosh. If you want the R.I.P. to become more than a wasted Monday morning, you need to let me help you. So many beings could benefit from your hard work and dedication. No one wants to get relationship advice from Draco Malfoy. She rolled her eyes. That would be an unmitigated disaster. But the R.I.P. isn't about getting relationship advice. It's about building coping strategies, a topic I'm confident you know a lot about. Draco sighed. Let's say I wrote up the research. No one would publish an article with my name on it. We'll worry about that later. Right now, you have the opportunity to help others. Take it. Draco and Granger settled into a new routine. Tuesdays through Fridays, they traded drafts of the article using the computer's electronic mail system. On Mondays, they split breakfast and argued. He never understood how she had time to see her patients, manage studies for her research grants, sleep, 
and still find hours to push him on whether the unit on goal setting should come before or after the unit on mentor network mapping. But one thing was clear. There was no one quite like Granger. Draco worried when they were done drafting it, the RIP would work for one being only. To solicit ideas from staff who weren't swatty healer know-it-alls, Draco installed a suggestion box in the hospital lobby. When Granger arrived the next Monday at 7.55 a.m., apologizing for being late, he was going through the first batch of comments. What are those? Suggestions. Who better to ask about employee policies than the employees themselves? I'm an employee. But you're Granger. I've come to realize that's not a universal experience. Draco skimmed the first few slips of parchment. I don't understand half of these. What's an accidental aguamenti? Granger made a choking sound. He glanced at her, but she was looking determinedly away. The upside-down seeker. Is this some kind of policy for professional Quidditch teams? Wait, you taught me how to look things up. Malfoy, do not Google that. Don't worry, Granger. I found a much better website than Google. You'll appreciate this one. Draco cracked his knuckles. Open browser. Type in URL for Mr. Jeeves. Proper good fellow should know the answer, am I right, Granger? Granger's face was nearly purple. Dear Mr. Jeeves, what is the upside-down seeker? Now we need to wait a moment for him to... Oh, Granger, this is a sexual position. How are they... I mean, I'm seeing it, but I fail to understand the logistics. Granger sighed, but couldn't resist sharing knowledge. Fifteen minutes later. And the one in the middle performs seeker-type activities. Seeker-type activities, Draco repeated. Granger made a grabbing sort of gesture. This is inappropriate for work. Draco closed the browser window and turned off the computer for good measure. When he glanced back at his pile of suggestions, they were oddly sparse. Accio suggestions. Granger yelped as a few bits of parchment fluttered in her clenched fists. You stole them. Give them back. Draco lunged, easily opening her fingers and yanking out the suggestions. The Patronus Maker. The Walk Down Nocturne Alley. These are silly. I definitely should not look these up, right, Granger? But as he continued to read, his heart sank. Leave it to a Death Eater to combine sex and paperwork. I bet you fill out a form every time you come in your hand. Why are we following rules written by someone who should still be an Azkaban? Granger put a warm hand over his, gently reclaiming the bits of parchment. Don't, Draco. It's not worth it. Draco's limbs felt unwieldy. He looked into her steady gaze and lost himself. You never told me about your work. Your form says you're in magiplasty and hybrid health research? She twisted her hair between her fingers. You don't want to hear a lecture about muggle magical healing practices. Who wouldn't want to hear about that? Granger shrugged. Draco wondered if she thought he was still the kind of bigoted prick who would balk at such a thing. Try me. She glared as though testing his resolve. I've been developing a muggle-inspired robotic device and testing it on the restoration of bones and muscle following long-term exposure to curses. Her words stole the air from his lungs. Unable to help himself, 
he glanced at the sleeve covering his left forearm. She spotted the movement, a frown tugging at the corner of her mouth. I don't even know if the method will work in the first place, and we understand so little about the dark mark. I'm not sure if it would help someone like you. Right. Draco tugged at his cuff. There are more important things to study. People who didn't choose. People who actually deserve. Draco. If she said his name like that again, he wouldn't survive. She slid her hand over the desk, palm up. He stared but didn't move. Even if I didn't know you were making reparations, even if I didn't see evidence of it in the way you conducted your life, I would still believe you deserved help. I'm a healer. I don't only heal the nice ones. The closer they got to completing the article, the more Draco dreaded working on it. He made it his unofficial mission, which he attempted to feel guilty about, after late-night wank sessions featuring inappropriate yet unavoidable mental images of a certain healer, to bump her off track earlier and earlier during their meetings. By the end of October, she'd arrive with leaves in her hair and pumpkin muffins in a parchment bag, and her perfect arse would barely hit the seat across from him before he had her waxing philosophically about being rights, recounting the results from her latest robot trials, or cackling about some new and likely hazardous sexual position. It became effortless to pretend she was coming to see him because she wanted to, and not because she was seeing someone else. Try as he did to stop, Drago ached for her. One morning, toward the end of November, when London was soaked in a wave of late-fall, pre-winter misery, Draco moved Granger's chair over to his side of the desk. Recently, Granger had taught him PowerPoint presentations were meant to be shared on large screens, rather than printed on muggle paper, so he'd spent the entire weekend making a slideshow on the sexual positions he'd received in the suggestion box to show off his skills. Five minutes after eight, Granger still hadn't arrived. At ten past, Draco started pacing. He'd imagined thirty-four different ways she could have been hurt, when movement in the hall caught his eye. Granger? He crossed the office in three strides. He rarely stood next to her like this. Separated by his desk, she was an expansive presence. Wild hair, contagious laugh, captivating brilliance. But standing before her, he was struck by how small she was. She looked deflated, like someone sucked her vibrance out with a straw. He battled with the urge to reach for her, to take whatever pain was written across her face and hold on to it for a while. Sorry I'm late, she said. Draco wanted to say, Are you all right? Did something happen? Can I touch you? It's fine, he said. It's almost half eight. Yes. Her lips twitched, the ghost of a smile. I should be going, then. Okay. Draco, his heart stuttered. You have to give me something. All right. She glared at him and shoved his shoulder. As though his mind had completely disconnected from his brain, Draco grabbed her wrist, pinning her in place. Heat spread from her hand into his skin, soothing the ache of spent anxiety. All right, Hermione. She'd been late. He had worried. Now she was here. Draco needed to let go, 
He was currently breaking one hospital policy and several personal ones. He was creating an unsafe work environment, betraying her trust. He was supposed to be the person she could talk to when her boundaries blurred, not the one blurring them. Draco had an ethical and moral responsibility to let go of her wrist and send her on her way. Instead, he squeezed, a gentle increase in pressure. Her breath hitched, her eyes growing wide. The tendons in her wrist shifted as she gripped, gripped the fabric of his robes. The points of her fingertips dug into the muscle above his heart, and all at once he could see the hypothetical images of their coupling. She would title her presentation of their time together, How to Utterly Destroy Your Coworker, by Hermione Jean Granger, and he would beg her to give it again and again. Ask me why I was late. Her eyes danced between his, the hollowed-out look burning away into something intense and terrifying. Ask. Why were you late, Hermione? He said. It wasn't a question. The reason was evident in the cords of tension twisting between them, the way her heartbeat fluttered in her wrist against his fingers. She pushed his chest with her other hand. He half expected her to shout at him for letting things go this far, but then he realized she wasn't pushing him away. She was handing him something. She slipped a neatly folded parchment into the pocket of his robes. Time around them snagged. She looked down at her hand and back up, her gaze searing. He plucked the parchment from his pocket. Draco didn't need to read her scraggly handwriting to know she and Warren from pediatrics were over. Didn't need to see what she'd marked as the reason for termination to know she'd been the one to do it. He knew exactly what she was offering and saw exactly how desperate she was to give it. Form XC0UPL. Their freedom. God, Draco wanted to accept. But he couldn't. He'd made several mistakes in his life. The regrets piled so high he might not ever get out from under them. But Draco could do one right thing. Thank you, Granger. He released his grip and stepped back. This officially concludes your participation in the Relationship Instruction Program. December passed in a haze. Without a Monday morning meeting to start his week, Draco was listless. He managed to coax Remy and Fletcher into taking tea with him, but when he discussed books and articles, they looked at him with concerned stares and immediately agreed with whatever he said. Eventually, Remy talked about his travel plans for winter halls. Fletcher chatted about a recipe his husband was testing for Christmas, and Draco despondently consumed his 8 a.m. desk lunch. On days Draco felt especially low, he hoped Granger would start dating again so he'd have an excuse to see her when she refiled the paperwork. He spent the rest of his time reviewing payroll and other tasks he'd neglected during his time with Granger. Whenever he tried to work on the article, he saw her fingerprints all over it. Sometimes he opened the document just to reread the comments she'd left on his last draft. Move this to section four. It's muddying your thesis. Are you a Dr. Shrewsbury fanboy now? Think for yourself, Malfoy. I love this. You're a shoo-in for being resources quarterly. Don't forget me when you're famous. Draco missed the submission deadline for the article. 
he failed to file his grant proposal to expand the RIP. When he considered quitting being resources and becoming a Microsoft Office sales rep, he admitted the situation had become untenable. The week before Christmas, Draco reached out to Granger to apologize. For the first time, he made the trek from the basement up to her lab in the main hospital. She had a whole wing to herself, protected by wand swipe access. Faced with the reality of how brilliant she was, how deeply her work was needed, Draco felt a kind of guilt he'd never experienced before. She was meant to do great things. Being with him would only hold her back. He left a short note wedged under the door jam. He was sorry. He didn't expect her to forgive him. She should put the R.I.P. behind herself for once and for all. On Christmas Eve, Draco received an owl. I miss you. No signature. The last Monday of December, Draco arrived at his frigid basement office with a feverish energy. He'd spent the past weekend running over every possible interaction he might have with Granger. He considered asking what she'd done for Christmas, or if she had plans for celebrating the New Year. But those topics carried hidden implications. Tell me about your family. Do you want to fuck on New Year's Eve? Draco decided he would say nothing, and brought two candy cane croissants to work in a parchment bag. As Draco reached his office, searching his pockets for his wand, a loud, barking laugh came from the other side of the door. He peered around the office suite. Remy snoozed at his desk. Fletcher's tea steamed at the corner of his. Draco assumed a protective stance and opened the door. Malfoy, congratulations! A meadowitch Draco had seen canoodling in the halls once or twice patted him on the shoulder. Draco gave her a bewildered glance as several more people waved. His office veritably teemed with healers and medistaff. What's this? Draco hesitated. He was fast, but if they all charged at once, he might not be able to protect the computer from spellfire. A celebration, said a voice behind him. Granger's effect was instantaneous, melting his tension, leaving him giddy. He turned, slowly, and couldn't stop a ridiculous grin from spreading over his face. Granger, he said, and at her scolding look amended, Hermione, I brought breakfast. About time you contributed. Draco blushed. So what's this for, exactly? Hermione gestured toward the small crowd. You've been awarded a grant to expand your work on the R.I.P., and these kind, brave souls agree to be part of your pilot program. Draco scanned the crowd, recognizing several faces he'd worked with over the years, fixing misdirected bank deposit forms, updating benefits packages, expediting parental leave. Even Hermione's ex, Warren from Pediatrics, was in the back of the group, his arm wrapped around the shoulders of a healer Draco didn't know. Everyone in the room was someone Draco had helped or was dating someone he'd helped. And how did I manage to win a grant I never applied for? Don't be mad. Hermione reached into her bag and pulled out a thick, book-like magazine. The grant's office was particularly impressed by your recent publication in the holiday issue of Being Resources Quarterly and agreed to accept a late application. Draco took the magazine from her and slid it onto his desk. 
Hermione's brows knitted together. Sorry, I shouldn't have submitted without talking to you first. Draco stopped her with a thumb to her lips. Thank you all for agreeing to participate in the R.I.P. pilot. Leave your information with my colleagues down the hall. I'll be in touch. But for now, please excuse us. I need to do something completely inappropriate to heal a trainee Granger. But we haven't had sex yet. Hermione adjusted herself on his lap, still dripping from their previous activities, and rocked slowly against him. The policy requires intimacy. Intimacy isn't always sex. Well, you did just let me ride your face. He'd set her on his desk and licked her decadent cunt until she'd screamed. I hope that counts as intimate. Otherwise, I need to work on my desk-eating techniques. Don't worry, she murmured against his throat. I've ensured you're well-versed in that area. Perhaps we should submit our position to the computer. What would we call it? Sad desk lunch is taken. No, you muppet. He pinched her hip. The kneeling pensive. Because I want to drown in memories of your cunt. She laughed. And we can't forget the breast mishap. Breast mishap? Back when we reconnected in the stairwell. Your breasts and I had a moment. Much like your cunt and I are having right now. He sucked her nipple into his mouth. Intimacy can be defined in multiple ways, Granger. Hermione sank a hand into his hair and tilted his head back, resting her forehead against his. I love when you talk policy to me. And I love you. He pulled her mouth to his. By my count, we're long overdue for Form C0UPL. Thank you for listening to Winter Wonderfix. If you'd like to stay up to date for other chapters and stories from ETL Echo, you can follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Spotify at etl.echo.audiobooks. ETL Echo. Echoing tales of enemies to lovers.